excited to bring you episode 17 of our summer series, Lessons in Leadership. Today, we're talking about lessons in holding folks accountable and providing support to them. And Mike's with us this morning. Hey, Mike, what's up? Good morning, Latoya. How are you? I'm terrific. You know, um, I'm very excited about this episode because I think this is something that leaders are really struggle with sometimes and not in terms of uh, not being able to do it, but just trying to figure out how to do um, it in the right way. How do you hold people accountable, but also support them in a way that allows them to uh, demonstrate peak performance. So I'm excited to talk about this with you. I think this is a topic that we probably could talk about over several episodes, but we'll see what we can uh, share with folks today. So, so Mike, when, when you think about holding people accountable, what do you think it is that sometimes makes that challenging for leaders to hold people accountable? I think what makes it challenging is we're dealing with other people. I mean, nobody wants to be mean to another person or, um, you know, not treat other people fairly or kindly. But in essence, you know, as leaders, our job is to get people to perform at their peak level. And sometimes that requires some feedback that they don't really want to hear and you may not want to give, but if you're looking out for the best interests of the school or the organization, you really need to give that targeted feedback to help them improve so they can be their best. I think you're um, absolutely right, Mike. I, I think, you know, one of the challenges is, you know, giving folks feedback and holding them accountable can be a rather emotional experience. And if we aren't careful um, in the way we design our feedback, we can go down a path of, of really having conversations that aren't very objective and aren't very rational, but are highly emotional. So one of the things that I've always been able to do um, that, have, that has really helped me when I needed to have one of those conversations and hold someone accountable is to script what it is that I need to say to them and what we need to talk about. And it allows me to look back over my notes and my script and say, hey, is this factual? Have I removed all the emotion from this conversation? Because you don't want to make an attack on someone's character or or even talk about, um, you know, something that you can't back up with substantial evidence. So I like to, um, you know, really have those things outlined beforehand and, and then think about how I can present that in a way that demonstrates that this this is because we have a goal and an objective and the these action steps have not been taken that we mutually agreed to. Certainly, and I think also it's important as we're getting started here to, to make a difference between egregious behavior that needs immediate correcting, you know, if someone just does something blatantly wrong, um, something of that nature, or if their performance just needs to be improved. So I think you really take a different path if you're correcting egregious behavior or if you're trying to improve someone's performance. I think we're going to talk mostly today about improving someone's performance, so we're not talking about someone doing something woefully wrong, but just someone that needs improvement on their performance. Absolutely. And you know what else, Mike? One of the things when you're talking about holding folks accountable to help improve their performance is one of the things that's important for leaders is balancing accountability with support. You know, accountability alone doesn't usually produce good results, but if you can balance accountability with support, um, I think you get the best performance out of folks. So talk to me a little bit about how you think leaders can do that. How can you balance accountability with support? Well, let's go back to what we started with in the beginning. I mean, really the goal of leaders is to improve the people 
uh, that they work with to get their best performance. So just to say you must get better or here's your consequence, that's really not going to do much because I think people generally do the best they can, the best they know how. So as a leader, how are you providing specific targeted support? And I think back to Latoya when we worked together uh, in the same building, how we came up with very clear priorities and we became almost the clarifiers in chief, uh, borrowing that term from Mike Smoker, uh, of what the goals were. And we had a very limited set of priorities and that's what we focused on and we wanted to master those. So when you give an employee 13,000 different uh, things they need to do well on, that's really hard. But if you can target your priorities and provide targeted training and feedback and modeling, just like we want our teachers to model for their students. As leaders, we should model for our teachers what we mean by good instruction. And then you support them with those, you build those relationships. And then when someone is not meeting the objectives, like you said earlier, you have quantitative evidence that they're not doing this. And you could say, hey, this is what I've noticed, this is what I've seen, here's the evidence, let's work on improving this. That's gonna get you much further than saying, hey, you're not doing a good job, you need to improve. Because really, what does that mean? I think you you make an excellent point, Mike. I, I just want to build on that, um, sort of tag along to that those thoughts that you just shared. One is it's not enough to say to folks, you know, you really need to improve. You need to get better. I think as leaders, part of our responsibility is not only identifying areas for improvement, but helping folks identify how to get better. So if you, you know, you, when you talked about the, the work we did and when we worked together in the same building, you know, one of the things we wanted to see um, from all of our teachers is for students to have the opportunity to write more in, cl- in the classroom. So it's not enough to, s- to say, you know, I'd like to see students write more in your classroom. I think it's important to say, you know, I remember this portion of your lesson and uh, you had students talk about this topic with a partner and do a turn and talk, and then they shared out. What do you think would happen if after that sharing, you had them sort of put their thoughts on paper and write that? It would give you an idea to assess how they individually were internalizing that, that objective or that knowledge and their, their level of mastery with the content um, if they were able to write that. Just something short. So I think it's not enough to say improve. I think what's important is to say, um, I, let me help you think about how to improve and let's think through this together and sort of strategize. So that's the first thing. You you have to be specific about what needs to improve and how people can get better. The second thing is, I think when you build the right trusting relationships with your staff, having conversations that go back to accountability and support are much easier in that, you know, folks are willing to listen and and are willing to accept that you're not out to get them, you're not out to catch them. And again, as you mentioned, we're not talking about something woefully wrong. Um, We're talking about improving practice. And they're more open to say, okay, yeah, I'm willing to try that. I'll think about that. But I think without that relationship piece, and sometimes as the leader, you have to explicitly say that. You have to say, you know, I want to help you. Part of my, something I used to say as a principal is part of my job responsibility is to help you become the absolute best teacher you can be and maximize your potential. And so that means sometimes that I'm going to have to push you, but it doesn't mean I don't think you're doing a good job. It just means I want to help you be the absolute best you can be. Um, I think we all know that it's in those moments of push where we learn the most and we grow the most. Certainly. And I, and I would say, you know, as a leader, it's not just what you say, it's how people hear 
your message. You can say whatever you want, but if people don't hear it a certain way, it's not going to move your organization forward. So when you build those strong relationships and people know that you are there to support them and to help them get better, they're going to hear your message and actually work on it, internalize it, and take action rather than just hearing somebody say something. So I think that's really important, leaders. It's not always just what you say. It's how people hear it. I think we really got to remember that. I, I think that's an excellent point, Mike. Perception is certainly reality. And um, if folks aren't hearing it the way you've intended, I think as the leader, it's your responsibility to go back and reformulate, recommunicate, revise the way you're sharing your message so that you are actually delivering it in a way that allows them to hear what you really want them to hear. Um when I think about accountability and support, though, Mike, sometimes the, there are, as a leader, there are hard conversations you have to have. And, um, you know, every person that you work with, you know, is different. And how folks receive critical feedback can be a very, very touchy, sensitive subject. So what do you think um, are the consequences sometimes of or what are the repercussions of prolonging a conversation because you know it's going to be difficult? I think one one mistake leaders make, and uh, it's really hard, so I'm not calling leaders out because this is difficult, is ignoring behavior and thinking it will get better on its own or thinking, you know, I'll deal with it tomorrow or I'll deal with it next quarter, uh, you know, thinking along those lines because the problem is just going to get bigger and bigger, and then other people will notice it and they'll say, oh, well, uh, you know, our our principal or our manager uh, accepts this behavior from this employee, so it must be okay. So it's hard, yes, we all acknowledge that, but the earlier you can deal with the problem, I think the better results we're going to have. Because once you start ignoring behavior, it's kind of like you're accepting behavior. And if you go into a situation that has enormous challenges where there's lots of things that need to be fixed and you're just going in, that's one of the big perils because it's really hard to attack everything at once. But the longer something goes on when you're there, the more ingrained it gets, and then people think that you accept that. So if you're going into a situation that has enormous challenges, that's one of the the most difficult parts is uh, trying to determine what you need to attack first while not ignoring things and letting them grow bigger and bigger because then people think you accept them. I think you're right, Mike. And I I think, you know, the bottom line uh, when it comes to these kinds of conversations, and that's, you know, that's one thing you really helped me with and and helped me learn is that, you know, you always should make your decisions based on your best folks. And and your best folks are the people who notice when you tolerate uh, poor performance. And so you, you sort of sacrifice the best folks if you don't address that. Um, but I think it really goes back to courage because I haven't met, I've yet to meet a leader who, who hasn't acknowledged that there is a level of discomfort in having hard conversations. Not that you don't want to do it, but they're, they're not fun. I don't think they bring joy to anybody, but they are necessary. So it is about right. exercising courage and trying to come from a place of authenticity um, and, and, and making sure that you are delivering value to the organization as the leader and, and doing those things as the leader that you have to do that just, you know, is a part of leadership. And part of that is holding folks accountable and acknowledging poor performance as well as uh, peak performance. So I, I think those points are excellent. 
Um, and that kind of brings us to a close um, on, on episode 17. Folks, we want to thank you for being listeners to Leadership with LaToya. We've got some exciting things upcoming. We're going to be doing our second Leadership with LaToya live session soon. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, Facebook. Check out our website, leadershipwithlatoya.org, for that date, time, and details. Um, we're excited to bring you the absolute best podcast in leadership, and we thank you for listening. If you haven't already, please subscribe on iTunes and also leave us a review. Until next time, be you, be true, be a hope builder. This is Leadership with LaToya for Leaders on the Grove.